Chris Scouser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, it's all A24 all the time on this show. We're going to give you two A24 films because we're just that kind of artistic uh, podcast, folks. That's what we're into. The indie stuff. First up is the tragic story of the Von Erich wrestling family with Zac Efron and the Iron Claw. Then we delve into the relationship between two friends as their lives diverge across the decades with past lives. We bring you the big releases on physical media, the straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. Then we wrap it all up with another round of Call It, one of our games that I have a particular hard time coming up with stuff for, so it's always a fun time when I see it on the list. So here we go. (laughs) First up, let's get this thing kicked off with a little bit of uh, The Iron Claw. Morning. Morning. Morning, son. Pants tomorrow, please, David. Sorry, Ma. Couldn't They're in the wash. Heard of it? Michael, breathe. Eat like you're a starving man. Morning. If I leave quickly, I'll take my food, Ma. So. Mike, you need to start hitting the waist more, kid. You're growing well, but you need to bulk up, get some strength in those arms. Well, may not be the strongest, but I still can't eat the most. It's not a joke. Carrie is about to become the family's first Olympian. Kevin is the NWA Texas champion. David is about to make his ring debut. Oh, come on. It's time for you to start thinking about what you're going to be. Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. Everyone can work their way up or down. I imagine, Matt, this may have been a little difficult for you, kind of bring you back memories of your your youth growing up, your brother and uh, your dad, I assume. Yeah, right? sure. It was, like... it, was, it was a tough ranking since there were only two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be number one and slip down to the bottom right. like the next day with no, you didn't have any flexibility with other people, you know? Very so. true. Very true. I couldn't have anybody running interference for me. Exactly. So, Matt, what is the Iron Claw all about? Well, as I said in the intro, it's the story of the Von Erich wrestling family back in the kind of heyday of wrestling when there were many, many independent uh, wrestling promotions, as they called them. A wrestler by the name of, who went by the wrestling name of Fritz Von Erich, had a Texas-based promotion company and he enlisted in this film for boys in reality there was a sixth von Eric that uh, that yeah. into the actual wrestling biz, and unfortunately, the family was just met with tragedy after tragedy. And this is kind of the story focused on the eldest, Kevin, played by Zac Efron. So, what is your history with with uh, wrestling? Were you a fan growing up? Not really. I was never a huge fan of wrestling, especially mm-hmm. like even like during its you know, WWF heyday with like, you know, Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior and Andre the Giant. I knew who those guys were, mm-hmm. but I was never super into watching it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> I got a new little drop. It's Arnold saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. Or if you want, he can just say, good. Good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I was pretty much the same. I, I watched it a little bit. Back, you know, the Hulk Hogan and all that stuff too. Roddy Piper, that, you know, that golden age, I guess, in the, uh, would be the mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a friend of mine, though, that his dad 
was the announcer in Connecticut. So whenever they would roll through Hartford or like New Haven, yeah. he would be the ring announcer. Okay. And he, the wrestlers would actually like go to his house and they'd have like dinner there and stuff. He like knew all these guys personally. Sure. Um, so it's just crazy, you know, to, to have kind of those big superstars like that just at my buddy Brian's house all the time. You know? <laughs> well, isn't WWF is based out of Bristol, or at least it was for a long time. Yeah, no, I think it's not Bristol. It's um, uh, not Milford, but it's it's more in South. Okay, southern I knew it was in Connecticut. I thought it was in Bristol, but. Yeah, it's ESPN, I think. Oh, no. Close, sports. Well, it is, it is definitely ESPN, but I thought, yeah, I thought they were in the same place. Yeah, so regardless. So, yeah. I was a WWF fan a little bit as, as a kid. Uh, I was gone by the time like The Rock and all those guys right. came out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I remember that 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 late '90s, early 2000s resurgence. Like I remember being in my dorm and like mm-hmm. people would be in the common room on the first floor, just like you know a dozens of people watching wrestling, watching like Monday Night Raw. Like they were like super into it. Like I. I it was a weird resurgence like around those time with like the rock and all those guys yeah john cena mm-hmm. and uh yeah a lot of those guys so number two i there was i went through a stage of like well it's all fake right, right. it's all scripted it's like but it's so much more than that really the talent and effort that these athletes basically the torture that they put themselves through to perform for these crowds you know all the time it is really it's impressive right and so it's you shouldn't if you are kind of the person who would be like well it's fake it's you know it doesn't mean yeah it's really a spectacle and it's it's all about the show really is what it is and then it's just the height of, of athleticism for a lot of these guys and this though this film again as Matt said focuses on the Von Erichs and the tragedy I think I was looking through this Matt like so were you did you know about Chris Von Erich I or? I did so I, I see I didn't I so I. We'll wait till I get to my streaming pick of the week. But yes, I have seen some stuff. Apropos of nothing, I ended up catching a, a show on the Von Eric, so I knew quite a bit about them going into this. All right. So, what are your thoughts on the film, Matt? Was it successful? Did it really kind of draw you in and really expand the uh, the family story, and you get sucked into the tragedy here? Um. So, with a film that is so focused on this family and the kind of real life drama that was associated with them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to get old real fast. (laughs) They, uh, it's, it's weirdly inert. Like I don't, Hmm. I found it hard to connect with these guys. And the weird thing is, is instead of like really focusing on Kevin and kind of seeing all this stuff, from the outside you he tries to you know spend some time on on david and and carrie and mike and they don't really develop enough as characters like if that makes sense like i don't i feel like he tries to spend too much time with this like ensemble and it never really comes together as a complete melding and i and for the lead for the I was not super impressed with Zac Efron either. I think he was giving it his all and maybe that's how yeah. Kevin really is. Um, but he, again, seemed to give a kind of a flat performance to me for a lot of it. I don't know. Like I, I, for as much real life drama is in this, it just, it's hard to kind of 
it's it's not successfully brought all together to make it compelling. Okay, I think there is a distance a distance between the audience and the film. I, I I do feel that as well. I in regards to Efron, I I I did think that he. I mean, they even talk about that in the film, mm-hmm. how awkward he is on camera. He seems kind of just not to be, he doesn't have the natural charisma that I guess that his, that his brother, that David did, mm-hmm. right? They kind of, they do delve into all that. But I, I think that Efron is, does a good job, I think, with the, well, let me put it this way. He brings kind of a quiet strength to this film and as well, this overwhelming sadness when he becomes obsessed with the fact that the family's cursed and how it's destroying his marriage and the relationship with his kids, right? But he also gets across, I think, really well the relationship and the connection and love that the brothers all have for each other. I kind of totally bought into that. Do the other brothers kind of get short-shrifted? I, I guess so, but it didn't really bother me. In fact, I was more when I was doing the research afterwards, you're like, wait a minute, there's a whole other brother mm-hmm. who took his own life. Yeah. Now I feel that's some of the criticism, I guess the film has gotten particularly from wrestling fans, but it does clock in at like two hours and 12 minutes as it is. Right. So I guess if you got to cut something, you cut out a whole plot line, a whole family member. I don't know if you're also concerned, like how much sadness can one audience member really endure? Right. How many how many suicides can you really watch on camera right. on the screen? Well, and they don't they cut away from all that stuff. And and yeah, it's I, not violent or excessive or whatever gruesome. Yeah, and like I I read a comment from the director saying something had to go, and I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting. Like it, I found it a really I'll I'll come right out and say it. Bad choice to mm. c- combine, you know, two brothers into one person. So take Mike and Chris and then put them in together. Like Mike didn't shoot himself. He did commit suicide, but he did not shoot himself. Chris shot himself, and you know, but that's so they they kind of bring the two together, which just seems really weird if you're trying to make this family drama. I mean, cut something else out. No, don't cut out an entire brother. Yeah, I, I, but what is the thing, right? I think I don't know what you would. Cause I think it's it's important that the relationship he has with Lily James's character, his wife, and all that. I think that's important for him. Mm-hmm. It provides him a redemption arc. It allows him not redemption. That's not the right word. But it's what I think he's finally gives him the ability to push through. Oh, he's dealt with his brothers and his father, particularly how overbearing and commanding he is with the kids and mm-hmm. how he, he's so manipulative when it comes to kind of controlling them and their in their futures because he's so focused really more on bringing finally that belt home to the household. He's more concerned with that than really the health and well-being of his children. And Lily James really provides the impetus. She's the one and the kids that I think finally allow... Efron's Kevin to kind of surpass all that overwhelming kind of depression and sadness and let him kind of lead his life finally. So uh, you can't get rid of her. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's tough. I don't know what to tell you. I think that, what did you think about Holt as uh, the dad and, and more attorney as well, who plays their mom? Uh, I think both of them. I, I, I think the cast o- overall is 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 very good in this. I think they're all universally engaging, and I think I I had yeah, I thought that was all re- really well done. Yeah, they're they're all engaging, but again, I thought you know 
Holt and Mira Turney were were really good, and I thought they brought a lot to it. Again, there's just too many of them. It's like you're you've got a bunch of good performances that because they're all kind of jockeying for position in this to the point where you've kind of cut the cuts that you've already made, it's hard for one to be kind of elevated to greatness. Yeah. Another criticism I think I had of the film is that the film does, for all of its kind of sadness and the devastation of the deaths, I don't know. It's if the film feels strangely unmoored Mm -hmm. and I think part of it is that I had no real sense of the passage of time. Right. I don't think that Durkin, the director, Sean Durkin, does a good job with it. I think a lot of times he uses Kevin's kids to, in their growth, to kind of tag us as where we are linearly. Linearly? Yeah. Just where we are in time. Yeah. All but I say oh, it's thank a little you. easier for me. Thank you. So, <laughs> just easier for me to say. But uh, but it's weird because the kids don't seem to grow for a long sp- period of time. So, it's like, do the most of these deaths actually happen within like a couple months of each other? Right. Because I guess historically they're all within they're all basically three to four years apart. So the eldest Jack, who is the, is the one that dies as a baby, he dies in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah. David passes in eighty four. Mike in eighty seven, and Chris in ninety one. And uh, then Carrie was uh, what eighty three. So I did get out of order there. Sorry about that. One of them died in ninety three. Is that Mike? Is that Chris? I think. The Chris was the last one. I thought. So then, where's Mike? Mike was before him. Mike, da, 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 fatal dose of tranquilizers in 1987. Chris, 91. Shot himself. So then Carrie was 93? So Carrie was... Where did Carrie go? There he is. Carrie is 93. Okay. So I had... What did I have? Yeah, I had 93. Yep, 93. Did I say 83? Yeah, it's 90. you said 83, yeah. Because I'm a dummy. So, yeah, all right. So, Carrie was 93. All right. So, he was the last one to go. And then it's so crazy. Like, did you know how the, the kid died? What? He stepped, supposedly stepped on a trailer tongue and was electrically shocked by it and then fell into a melting snow puddle face first and drowned. Yeah. That's crazy. Jesus Christ. And then other thing, too, is David and Carrie had three kids between them. Yeah. Yeah, David and... Which you never get any of that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have any of those. And one of them... I think one of Carrie's daughters was became a wrestler. Yeah, and then there's two other of the boys too, uh, from one of the Kevin's, other Kevin's, Kevin's kids. two kids became wrestlers as well. And then Carrie lost his didn't lose his foot in the motorcycle accident. Mm. It was damaged and he had a hip injury as well, but he was supposed to rest and he refused to rest. Yeah. And he by continuing to try and push himself to get back in the ring faster, he ended up losing the foot yeah. and they had to amputate it. Which is just oh good lord! And he, had, I guess, he had been already. He, had, he was also facing like jail time. Yeah. For a, a second drug related arrest, like in substantial jail time yeah. too, I think. So I mean, it's just it's just so horrible. And then Chris too, from what I understand, he was when I saw him line, he was five five and one seventy five. He was kind of the smaller of the group, and he just wasn't. It wasn't making it. Yeah. It wasn't working for him. He wasn't catching on, and he got depressed. And then after Mike took his own life, he did the same. And uh, it just, it is a, a super tragic story. So, success for the film. I think Efron focusing on him, overcoming the curse, his struggle and his perseverance, and his ability to embrace an alternative to his to the planned life he thinks he was going to have. I mean, could you imagine, though, Matt, having your dreams crushed repeatedly, having a father who cares more about 
you know, his own glory, their family's glory, than his own kids' health and well-being, and all of that death surrounding you at all times. Right. And uh, I think Efron did a good job um, with all of that. I really, yeah, I thought he was quite good in it. Okay. And what I'll say, oh, the score. I think the score was pretty good, and then I was like, oh, it's pretty good. It's it's engaging. It's it's interesting. It's subtle, and it's done by Richard Reed Perry of uh, Arcade Fire. Oh. So uh, okay. Nice. There you go. There's that. I don't know. Any other thoughts there, Matt, on the Iron Claw? We've burned a lot of uh, time here on it. Yeah, no, not really. Um, I mean, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't think it's really going to be a film that has a lot of legs. I don't think it's going to do – it may get some nominations. I don't think it's going to win anything for a, mm-hmm. during award season. It's okay. I mean, it's not bad, uh, but – No. But it's – I wouldn't say it's anything great. So, I mean, for me – I'm going to give it a B, a solid B. Look at that. Me too. Mm, there you go. Uh, uh, it's always good when we, after last week, uh, I'm happy that so far <laughs> things are going well. We'll see. We'll see how this ends up. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a chance to see the Iron Claw, which is still playing in theaters, though by the time the show drops on Friday, I'm not sure that will still be the case, mm. but maybe. Uh, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. Um, yeah, I... What do you think of the wrestling scenes too? We didn't get a lot of that so much. I thought they were fine, but I mean, again, I'm not super well versed the language of wrestling, so yeah. it looked fine to me. Yeah, the people who know seem to have really been impressed with that. Uh, they get the moves down and all that stuff. The boys got suitably bulked up, but they all still seemed kind of small to me. Mm-hmm. I know I understand these guys are actually supposed to be pretty tall and big in the real life. Yeah. But like you know, with Carrie and Kevin and stuff on the screen, like these guys are maxing out like at five eight, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think David was really tall. But what's funny is that when I did see this, I remember Zach Efron saying that he never wanted to get in that kind of shape again, especially like after Baywatch and like all the stuff he would have to do to get in that kind of shape. And here he is again, all bulked, all jacked up. And so I was like, wow, he must have really wanted to do this movie. I guess so. He's 36 now. Holy cow, Efron. I'm getting old. Yeah, we're, we're we're getting up there, Chief. Let's not talk about it. Let's instead, Matt, talk about what's coming up on <laughs> physical media this upcoming Tuesday, January 23rd. And this is getting released in 4K. You tell me, who is your daddy and what does he do? Get it? Okay, we start right here. You. My dad repairs red cars driven by women who are pinheads. My dad doesn't do anything since the crash. My dad gives money to people that doesn't have money. And then people use that money. And then they give other money back and they give the same amount of money back to my dad. My dad doesn't live with us anymore. He lives in New York and drives a taxi. My mom hopes he's going to die real soon. My dad watches TV all day long. My dad works on computers, and he's um, the boss of his company. And um, he has a mustache and a beard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He doesn't have that much hair, and he... His head is so big that he can't wear any hats. Our mom says that our dad is a real sex machine. 
Good. So there you go, man. There's where you, there you, now you know where I pulled them from today. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. A kindergarten. I, you're right. That was very obscure kindergarten cop uh, references. So thank you. You're welcome. You're very much welcome. It sounded weird. Matt coming up here. Where are we? Number five. Not a lot coming up this week. It's still January. So number five. Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part One is being released 4K and on Blu-ray as well. This is the animated version, of course, of the classic DC tale, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And there is a digital-only feature called Silent Treatment, which is a film clip from Justice League Part 2, I should say. A little teaser for Part 2 is on there. And a couple uh, making of featurettes. I am curious to see this. I've always really enjoyed Crisis. So, um, but I'm going to wait until it hits max. Okay. So, there you go, Matt. Four! Shot Factory is putting out Jennifer 8. This is the film featuring Andy Garcia, Uma Thurman, and Lance Henriksen. Where uh, it's a big city cop, John Berlin from L.A., moves to a small town police force, Matt, and immediately finds himself investigating a murder. Using theories rejected by his colleagues, John meets an attractive young blind woman named Helena. Meanwhile, a serial killer is on the loose, and only John knows it. Brand new 4K restoration from the original camera negative. Two cuts of the film, including a never-before-seen alternate ending. A deleted alternate ending as well. I wonder if that's different than the alternate ending. And then a retrospective on the film. You ever seen Jennifer 8? I remember like the VHS cover and the poster, but I never saw it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I just know the name. Yeah, you and me both, brother. Get three coffins ready. Uh huh? Scream Factor is putting out Thinner, the Stephen King adaptation. You get two brand new audio commentaries and some new interviews as well. And the archival audio commentary uh, featuring Tom Holland and Joe Montana. The new one is with the producer and actor. Well, Joe Montana coming back. Matt, are you a fan of Thinner? I think I saw it once, like when it came out. I can't remember really much about it. Yeah, it's not. I, mean, I know. I know the story, but yeah, it's that's it. it's not great. I only ever saw it once, but it's it's a little little corny, little cheese ball. Mm-hmm. Now I I went re- re- back to the old number two here for us because I hated the last one, and I, the problem is I can't decide. I have like three different options I have to choose from. Okay, so maybe next week we'll have two. What? No, it's still the old one. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right, number two, we're going to go with Gina. Um, I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Gina, I apologize. Uh, from Powerhouse Indicator Films, Christopher Lee plays Gina, an epic drama about the life of Pakistan's founding father, Muhammad al Jana, directed by Jamil Dalavi, and explores his journey from political isolation in the Indian National Congress to his leadership of the Muslim League, and from his controversial fight from Muslim homeland to the partition of India. Uh, it's being released here. It's supposed to be a really good kind of film. I've never seen it. I never even heard of it, mm. I confess. But I thought I'd let people know it was coming out. And then finally, there can be only one. Criterion is putting out Chantal Ackerman's masterpieces from 1968 to 1978. New 4K restorations of, uh, God damn it, French titles. <laughs> All right. Le Rendezvous. Oh, I got that one. Diana. And a 2K digital restoration of Sauté Ma Ville, L'Enfant à Moi. Let me actually get into it. Ajoujons être un. Femme Marie, La Chambre, Hotel Monterey, La 15-8, Je Tulel, Jean Delmont, 23 Quai de Commerce, Tenere Brussels, and News from Home. <laughs> it also includes an unfinished film from 73 called Hang Out Yonkers. Put some film tests, a new video essay, a documentary, uh, interviews, and more. We talked about Kindergarten Cop being released on 4K. That's your only other big 4K release this week. 
And then your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt, I'm going to go with The Hand. A man and his wife encounter a grotesque-looking hand sticking out from the toilet mm. in their bathroom. Okay. Their protruding hand is very still, like a severed limb hanging low. Although they call security and soon the cops, no one can identify, let alone predict where or what this thing is. Suddenly, all find themselves struggling for their lives as they try and fight against it. The hand from the toilet. Oh. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So, as I alluded to earlier in the show... I'm going to recommend that you check out a Vice series that's available on Hulu called The Dark Side of the Ring. And it's a TV show that was surprisingly good as even a non-wrestling fan. And in the first season, there is an episode called The Last Von Erich. And it is it basically interviews Kevin Von Erich as the last survivor and goes through the entire uh, Von Erich story including Chris. So if you're curious after watching the iron claw or want to watch it before going in to see it, uh, check it out. It's actually a really well done kind of short hour long documentary TV show. Nice. Thank you. Good. All right. So let's go ahead. And, uh, it's been a few minutes to talk about past lives, Matt, a uh, film that as soon as it probably ended, stopped, you were like, Chris, God damn it. <laughs> We'll talk about all all that and why next. Is he attractive? I think so. He's really masculine in this way that I think is so Korean. Are you attracted to him? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. And then he was just this image on my laptop. And now he is a physical person. It's really intense, but I don't think that that's attraction. I think I just missed him a lot. I think I miss soul. Did he miss you? Matt, this is the debut feature from Celine Song. Uh, formerly a playwright and uh, directed a couple episodes from TV shows as well. But uh, she wrote and directed Past Lives. And once a year, I think, Matt, this happens, uh, if I'm lucky, where I will find a film that hits me right in the heart spot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it's just the, this big kind of romantic uh, drama. Like, like Previously, it would be for me, so you can kind of go know where I'm going, like my uh, complete adoration for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm-hmm. This was kind of that exact same thing for me. Mm-hmm. I had warned Matt a few weeks ago that I'd seen this. And I said, listen, Matt, this is going to be one of my top 10 films of the year. So I think that I should have you, you should check it out. So here we are. We have um, Nora Moon, um, known as uh, Sing Yama Moon before, when she's younger, when she's still They're both in, in South Korea, yeah. basically when they're kids. They're 12 years old. Their, their parents set them up kind of as a cute little play date, and they actually develop feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Nora's family moves to Toronto. And then they reunite 12 years later. Uh, they're in their mid-20s now. And he's still in South Korea. She's starting her own life. And they developed kind of this relationship over, what, Zoom Skype. or FaceTime, whatever the case, Skype, thank yeah. you. And um, there's a, you know, there are feelings there. They still really care about each other, perhaps love each other, and... 
but their lives are starting to take different paths. He still has to finish school. He has some other things he has to do, and she's kind of starting her life and her career as well. And she terminates the relationship basically, right? Because she feels like, well, you're not, you can't come here for years. I can't go to you. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. And then they reunite again 12 years later. Mm -hmm. He reaches out to her via Facebook and uh, they now she's in a relationship, but the two of them reunite. He's coming to New York to meet her where she now lives. And the rest of the film basically takes place then as the two of them kind of get to know each other again. Meanwhile, she has an established relationship career. She's married. Though married for her green card, potentially, initially, right? Well, partly why they got married. Not, not, not why they're in love, but that's one of the reasons why they got married, right? And all that stuff from there. But Matt, so at least tell me, make me feel better. At the end, when we were done watching this, did you go, well, that was really good? Or at the end, were you like, God damn it, Chris? Um, or both? Neither. How about neither, really? Okay. I was more like, okay, yeah, I, I, I can see why some people might find that to be romantic and there were parts of it that i you know connected with i mean there were parts that i thought were really particularly strong especially kind of that reconnection when they're in their mid-20s and you know they're trying to make this long distance thing and then this you know kind of dredging up old feelings and but it's unattainable and that's all kind of very Mm -hmm. you know common especially these days to the human experience where it kind of started to lose me a little bit is after she's Uh married to this guy and she just goes out and meets this old friend of hers which you want to do fine she comes back tells her husband yeah you're right he came here to see me and then she keeps seeing the guy and then keeps and then like forces her husband to play third wheel on this weird little date thing that they have. Yeah. I don't think that was the right thing to do, Nora Moon. That was uh, a selfish thing to do. So as a character, I understand it, but I didn't like it. That's interesting. Uh, this folds back into me about things I've, learned about people Mm -hmm. in relationships as i've gotten older and matured is that shit's complicated man it is you never know what's going on in people's lives and what's what's going on in their relationships and i don't and i give i give myself and my partner and my friends and all that stuff a lot of leeway for a lot of things because of that sure i try and do that even with strangers i do the same thing and it's i appreciate your position on that i don't Hmm. Like I don't. If, if I'm trying to imagine if I'm in that same situation, where then I, then I just kind of cut it off and say, "Yep, she came here for me. Uh, I'm not going to see her again." Type of thing. I don't. I think because I, I think she is pretty settled. She knows what she wants. She knows this is her life has now changed, and she's a different person now than the young girl that he knew yeah. back in the day. Right. And that's why it, it's it's for lack of a better term, it's safe. And if they ha- she has that relationship with her husband and, and they trust each other, then I think for the most part, I think that's fine. I think that the film, the core message of the film itself, I think it's very just, it's a very beautiful and very delicate kind of film. It's focusing on kind of the the connections we kind of make in our lives and then the ones, the relationships and friendships and stuff that we maintain. Lost relationships, thoughts of what could have been. But people change, Matt. Choices are made. We grow and evolve. And it's, I don't know. It was just a beautiful little 
experience about potentially unrequited loves and the choices that people make in their lives. And I love these kind of little drama, little vignettes of of a time in people's lives, especially focusing on relationships and love. I've always been a sucker for that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that songs film kind of captures this beautifully. So the question that I have is, so I guess, I guess the, I struggle with it is like, I think it's one thing like if she didn't bring in her husband, but like, you know, the whole, he's not even there. Right. So like when they go to dinner, she's sitting next to, you know, Sue Wong or whatever his name is, uh, you know, her, her long lost friend and not to her husband. They're at the bar and she's basically got her back to her husband while they talk in Korean, which they imply that he understands the, her husband understands better than she may realize. And he knows what they're saying, or at least picking up a loss of what they're saying. And this thing is being presented as this kind of, yearning beautiful love story and what it and what it reminds me of and what it this definitely smacked me of is one of my friends in college his name was kevin and he hated titanic and the reason he hated titanic was because rose after she dies spoiler for titanic she meets up with 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 uh her one true love uh, being Leonardo DiCaprio's character, he was his his point was always, "What about her husband and children that she spent so much life with time with?" She's like, "Screw them! Like we're just gonna go back to this unrequited love kind of thing or this lost love," and that's what this kind of smacked of. Like it it seems like if this was presented in just a slightly different way, or if this was even, I don't know if it, it, we're meant to try and sympathize with it, but I don't know if we should. Like and I, I don't know. I mean, even the ending, where she watches him go, and she's so upset that she starts crying and falls into the arms of her husband, who and she, which she doesn't reciprocate. Like, can you imagine if you got in touch with an old lost love of yours, right? And you tr- you fool yourself into saying her coming to see me is not about our relationship. It's just catching up with an old friend. You go home, you talk to Mrs. First Run, you're like, hey, by the way, you're right. She does want to, she did come here for me. And then you go on an outing like that, like, and then you come home and start crying (laughs) about this girl who left. Like, you're, like, that's, like, that's a good thing? Like, but I don't, she's not crying about him. She's crying about, I think, the life that, she may have had if she made a different choice to somebody that she was basically kind of soul connected to back then, but now she's a different person. Okay, but she, like I, I, you're so again presenting it that way. You come home to your wife who you've been mm-hmm. married to for over a decade and start and, and start yeah. weeping for the life that you could have had because somehow it's more fulfilling or you feel that you missed out on something. No, I don't see. I don't know if it's. I think you adding that qualifier at the end of it being more fulfilling is where you're off tr- is where you go off track with it. I I think it's just it's 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 a representation of somebody that you are of something that d- could have been that but it didn't end up being that way. I don't see. I think that I go back to the complication thing. Yeah, I really do. And 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 it's just I thought the ending of it was was beautiful, devastating, correct, and perfect. I really thought. 
because I think the two that again the scene when they're at the bar when the two of them are talking and he's off to the side listening but he's the way she she shoots this is it is clearly and then at one point too she focuses in that it's just the two of them right. even though he's sitting right, right there yes because we're relaying to them that the two of them had a very special connection at one point and at one point they were the only kind of two people in the world for each other but that has changed and that's why we come back out then and it now he is there and then she leaves and then the two of them talk because again another point in the film he says that to her at the end which i thought was wonderful as well mm-hmm. as well because when he realizes it, it would never work out because she's the kind of person that leaves and or at least for him right so i just I don't know. I, I, I'm going to challenge you. I mean, yeah. however you connect with the film is fine, Chris. I'm well, happy. No, I'm happy thing. for you that you could, but I, I would challenge you on the fact that it's, it's perfect and beautiful or whatever that, that, you know, nice turn of phrase you said. Thank you. I, I just don't, I don't agree. Like, I think it shows, I think it's more about to me and I, maybe this is more real, that it shows kind of a, a selfish want, right? And you realize, and like you, like if this had just been between the two of them and maybe it would have been less okay if she was kind of behind her husband's back or whatever, but it would have been something that would I think would have been able to be more universal. Whereas when you bring in this other person into it and you're, and that's when it gets weird for me. Like I, and I, I don't, necessarily think that it's makes it a bad film i just think it's the tone and the message to me is different than it's like this beautiful lost romantic perfect love story of things that could have been kind of thing i just i had no issue with that i think that he though he he does have concerns he's clearly nervous about this guy coming into their lives for her, it's 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 one of those things where I think she had to just go through that experience of seeing him, uh, and you know, to then because to to realize that she is where she's supposed to be. And I, is that does that suck for him? Yeah, I guess so. But could she have but done it's... that without bringing him into it? That's the question I have. Is it unfair that... for him? Like you would have to be a complete selfish idiot. Not to see how much it bothered him and how uncomfortable he was with it, but you did it anyway because it's more he important wanted to, to be you. part of it, huh? though, too. I think he wanted to be part of it. He too. wanted to be a part of it because he wanted, he saw that it was important to her, but it's not because he was okay with it. Like, if you thought mm-hmm. in any of those interactions, like he was actually okay with it, that's. That's no, I don't think that's I don't think that he was okay with it. I think that he was nervous about it, but in the end, I think he he had to go with it because he loved her and trusts her and then and and in the in the sanctity and the strength of their marriage that he said, all right, we just we got to do this and we got to do this together. I don't agree. I think he did it because he may have felt that he had no choice but to do it that if he didn't do it, then he might have pushed her away and that she would have chosen something else. Um, but I don't think he was happy about it. I think really this is, I don't think he was happy about it, either. but I think, I think he's basically, I think the, the kind of end game of this is I think that they're both kind of deluded, selfish people, not, not her husband, but the, you know, the, the, um, 
you know, the, the guy from Korea, he's, his friends are like saying, you're like, you're going to go see this. You're going to go see this person. Like you're going to go see her. You're still obsessed with her. And he's like, what, what me? No, 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 I'm not going to do that. And, but he's, he's totally going there to do that. They're deluding themselves. And Uh, I mean, Chris, I'm not wrong here. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Get, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's out there listening to this, please go watch this film. I'm begging you to go watch this film. And I would yes, be curious to know do. what you have to think about it. Is it a beautiful, perfect love story that ends on a bittersweet it's note? Not, a bittersweet note. It's not a beautiful, perfect love story. <laughs> it's a complicated, messy story of love's lost and what could have been in that your lives, our lives take different paths. That's basically it. It's not like a... It's not a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan joint. I'm not saying capacity. it has to be. I'm not saying it has to be. I'm not saying it doesn't have to be complicated or messy. I'm just saying I didn't I didn't agree with her. I thought she was doing bad stuff. <laughs> so, a couple other stray thoughts for past lives. Oh, makes me so sad sometimes. But it, the funny thing is that I think Mrs. First One probably would be more in your camp than she is in mine. Oh yeah, she definitely would be. I I mean, you know, me and, me and Mrs. First Ron may have our differences, but I understand that wholeheartedly that she would be in my side of the camp. And, and I'm much more of a artsy, you know, right? But I even kind of guy. I, I even you know again I I fall not as far onto the artsy romantic side, but I do have my my soft sides. But I no way in hell. And with any girlfriend, with my wife now, with any girlfriend that I ever had, would I ever be like, oh, yeah, there's this this girl and I want you to come out and sit with me. And by the way, I'm going to sit with her. I'm going to turn my back to you and completely ignore it and not expect like to be stabbed in my sleep when I got home. Like that would have been like relationship ending shit where I come back and I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. They're gone. Hold me. <laughs> no, it would never happen in a billion oh, years. I just We need to stop talking about this because you're making me very upset upset and you're ruining this film for me so uh just a couple of stray things again i appreciate the setting of new york city it was nice to see it portrayed with a little magic mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. which we haven't seen in a film in a long time sure. uh, a little mystery some magic something like that just really kind of the city brought to life again for me in a way that i hadn't seen it on the screen in a long time and then of course as always scalzo score corner uh the music here in the film uh written and performed by daniel rostin and chris beard formerly of one of my favorite bands grizzly bear and they bring a really beautiful, subtle, indie kind of sonic aesthetic to the film that I think just further adds to the delicate emotional balance that I think Celine's song absolutely nails that other people may not agree with. Matt, I'm giving Past Lives an A. It's one of the best films I've seen all for all of 2023. Yeah, I'm happy for you, Chris. Do you think Arthur and Nora, do you think they last? I think so. Think so? Yeah, you know what else? I was trying to figure out too. Where did I see Arthur from? Why do I jo- know John Magara? First cow. First cow. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It. Yep. Yeah, he's been, Clay, uh, he's, a, he's, a that guy. he's been in a lot of First stuff. Cow. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah um, All right. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Say it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a B. I, I think it's a solid oh, film. Right. I, but I don't think it's one of the best films of the year. I, this will not be making my top 10. I mean, it's, it's good, but uh, it just didn't hit the heartstrings in the right spot for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right <laughs> if you had a chance to see past lives uh you're gonna have to rent it folks um you're gonna about five bucks on all your major retailers uh 
shoot us an email. You have to watch it now because Matt needs to know. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Are you in the Matt camp or the Scalzo camp? We'd love to hear from you. All right, Matt, let's close out the show and uh, play a round of uh, Matt's favorite game. Uh, call it. Flaming Dragons, uh, heroin manufacturers responsible for an eighth of the drug trade in Asia. Huge profit margin. Guys! Would somebody please let me know what the game plan is? Tech, we have it handled. Please don't interrupt. Everything's under control. I, I got it, got it. Les Grossman. We not get money yet. Price now 100 million. You pay now, or tomorrow Simple Jack die. Great. Uh, let me get this down. 100 million. Oh, wait. I got a better idea. Instead of 100 million, how about I send you a hobo's dick cheese? Then you kill him. Do your thing. Skin the fucking bastard. Go to town, man. Go to town. No. In the meantime, and as usual, go fuck yourself. No, we don't negotiate with terrorists. That's right. I'm a proud American, man. We do not negotiate with terrorists. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. That, of course, is uh, Tom Cruise. And I think a signature role for him as Les Grossman, the uh, movie producer who uh, was is he runs a studio or is the executive? Either way, he's basically the guy, uh, the money behind uh, the film of Tropic Thunder. And... Uh, just profane. I would have played the other clip, but it's like three minutes, two and a half minutes long. So <laughs> I didn't want to take up everybody's time. So that's your first call at Matt. What's your favorite Tom Cruise? I would say he's left Paramount for Warner Brothers. Okay. So the Paramount age of Tom Cruise is over. What's his best non-franchise performance? So nothing for Mission Impossible. Uh, nothing that had a sequel, which includes Top Gun. Mm-hmm. What's he, what's your favorite Tom Cruise performance, Matt? My favorite Call Tom it. Cruise performance. Uh, this is a cheat, and I have to sit and think with it. But if we're being quick here, I think it's either going to be Edge of Tomorrow, aka Live Die Repeat, or Minority Report, because I am big science fiction nerd and I really like those films. I knew you were going to go with that. Uh, I'm going to go with Frank T.J. Mackey in Magnolia, oh, okay. the pickup artist guy sure. who uh, has that re- really distant, horrible relationship with his father who is now dying, played by Jason Robards. And by the film, he's at his father's bedside and the two of them do their best to kind of mend their relationship. But I think it's the most depth and the most uh, really engaging and interesting performance possibly of Tom Cruise's career. Mm-hmm. Next to, I think, Tropic Thunder, which is a lot of fun okay. as well. I'm going to talk about interesting. I haven't seen but, Magnolia uh, in forever. Forever. I've been meaning to rewatch that yeah. for a long time. In fact, I just picked up Boogie Nights on Blu-ray. Oh, good one. So I got it for like three bucks. Nice. So I only had it on DVD before. So Boogie Nights might be to... flirting yeah. with the edge of a perfect film. Like it's a really good movie. As far as yeah, I haven't watched that in a long time. Oh, uh, you should enjoy. Just don't watch it with Mrs. First Run. You'll get in trouble. I'm a big bright shining star, <laughs> Matt. What do you got for me? All right. So while I was watching our last film, Past Lives, you know a, a Film by a Korean American uh, director and filmmaker. It got me thinking too about like all of the Korean films that have come out. So then it got me thinking about foreign films. So Chris, uh-huh. pick one foreign film uh, country, cinema of one country, and the other one has to be jettisoned. You're gonna pick French cinema or Japanese cinema. 
Uh, wow. Jeez. That is not cool. Uh, <laughs> that's supposed to be easy, folks. I know. You get the French New Wave. You also have that French uh, extremist horror mm-hmm. run for a while. Yeah. But I'm not losing Kurosawa. So I'm going to go with Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Japan as well. As, as important as the French New Wave was for the development of cinema, uh, I, I can't. There are there are some of my favorite movies of all time have come from Japan. And honestly, they've influenced some of my other favorite films of all time. Like, can you imagine? What would Star Wars even be like? What would would we have the Man With No Name trilogy without Japanese cinema? Yeah. Yeah, we would not. So I'm going to have to go with those. I think that's the right decision. And I love my question next after this really follows up with just the quality and the art- artistry <laughs> of uh, French and Japanese cinema. Matt, you had to, you only get to have the careers of one of these two people to watch. You want Hobbs or Shaw? You want The Rock or Statham? Oh, Jesus. All right. I can give you some highlights here. All right. I'll start with The Rock. Mm-hmm. And highlights. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I've already got my answer, but continue. He's in The Other Guys. Yeah. He's in the fast couple Fast Furious movies. Uh, hold on, I'll get there. I haven't seen the Jumanji films, so I can't say anything. First there. one's pretty good. It's actually pretty fun. Shazam, right? Black Adam, um, Southland Tales, The Rundown, Walking Tall, Christ Rock. Oh my God. This is. I thought this would be harder than this as I'm scrolling through this filmography, but I don't know. Pain and Gain, probably the best thing he's done that he starred in. Like the other guys is the best film, I think, on this list. Right. But even then, if I'm telling you the best film in your filmography <laughs> is the other guys, a movie that you were in only the first 10 minutes of. Yeah. Oh. Snitch isn't bad. That's Snitch. Faster. I like Faster. I haven't watched that in a long time. Nice little throwaway thriller. But again, hear me. Throwaway thriller. Mm-hmm. So I guess you're going Statham, huh? Yeah, I am. And I think the thing that really pushes Statham over the edge is his early work with Guy Ritchie. You know, I mean, yeah. I think those are those are films you can watch over and over. And I think a lot of some of his films, like um, the transporter and crank they're dumb fun they're dumb ridiculous action films so um, yeah so i think i'd have to go with statham and apparently he's looking at his filmography as well he's he's in some stuff that's i forgot or don't didn't even realize he was in so that's that's good right right he was in uh, yeah what was it i just saw it i saw it i just scrolled past it um I didn't really, he's in Collateral, but it's yeah, just like yeah. a cameo. I remember that, but it's just like a quick little he walks hey, by, I think. It uh, counts. But Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, the first film he did, which is great. Mm-hmm. Guy Ritchie film. Again, Snatch. Yeah. He's great in that. Um, he's actually pretty entertaining in Ghosts of Mars. We did that for uh, Screen Run a while back. Yeah. The uh, I Listen, I love the Transporter films. At least the first two. Okay. I could, I could That third film, I think, is horrible but that for the first two particularly the first one i think they're both really good looks entertaining revolver's not bad then uh the bank job he's actually this pretty good yeah i like this is fun listen for everybody's just scroll through his uh filmography (laughs) (laughs) 
but uh wrath of man is is entertaining as well and i still want to see the beekeeper so uh yeah I, you know what too i can't remember if i enjoyed it or not is uh home front because it's got your boy franco right who he plays the heavy yeah in that so uh that that's uh that was always a good time all right yeah i think statham's your only answer who'd you rather have at your back though for during a fight you want The Rock, right? Nah. Well, I think The Rock is, is big enough where you can intimidate somebody to backing out of the fight. Whereas I think if you're actually in a fight, you want Jason Statham. Because I think he actually knows, or at least has been trained in, in to, you know, martial arts and stuff like that. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. What do you got? All right. So I was uh, saw this thing about uh, Jim Henson films and, you know, they're they're making some, some updates to them. And I, it just got me thinking. And I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to Chris say it out loud anyway. Um, the Dark Crystal or Labyrinth? Well, I, come on. But I mean, are you being honest with yourself? <laughs> I think so. Now, I haven't seen The Dark Crystal in a very long time. Mm-hmm. In fact, as any longtime listeners or the show will know, um, or can guess, I bought the Blu-ray about five years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you really shouldn't open those things because they could become collector's items and you could sell them to buy more Blu-rays, like the newest version. <laughs> That's, I, I should, it would be good if you get a 4K upgrade of that. Yeah, no, uh, I it's it's got to be Labyrinth for me, Matt. It has to be. I love As the World Falls Down. Um, is You know, there's a bunch of great songs on that. So, so I And it's, it's Bowie, Jennifer Connelly. And I don't, yeah, no, I don't, there isn't a choice here for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with the dark crystal. I was never a big fan of labyrinth. I don't understand. I mean, I understand why he's such a big fan of labyrinth, but I, for the life of me, it does not make sense. Sorry, Chris. Why? Why doesn't it make sense? It's just not good. It's not good. Okay. Uh, Matt, <laughs> let's close it out with some, I was going to ask you who you prefer Dario Gento or Lucio Fulci, but I don't think you're as well versed in Fulci I'm not, at all. No. So, no. all right, that's good. I'm glad I had a backup. Matt, what's the best uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger film from the aughts? The aughts, Matt, so from 2000 on. Okay. That he starts with the sixth day. Okay. And the last film he did was Terminator Dark Fate. This includes, and I'm not going to do the stuff he's got a cameo in, like Dr. Doolittle 2. Sure. Uh, but then you got Collateral Damage, sixth day, Collateral Damage, Terminator 3. Um. Then they got those expendable movies, Escape Plan with Sly, Last Stand, which is his first kind of really big movie where he came back after being the governor, mm-hmm. Sabotage, David Ayer film, Maggie, where his daughter's a zombie, yeah. Aftermath, which I have not seen, Killing Gunther, we did for the show. Um, we did, I did not see Iron Mask, and then finally of Terminator Dark Fate. So what is the Arnie's best aughts film for you? God. I hope I gave you enough time to look it up, too. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a tough set of lists. I I guess I'm gonna say Maggie, which I didn't think was a great film, but I think it's the best out of that bunch. I think Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines really is yeah. I think that film's unfairly maligned. Okay, I think it's it's not bad. Okay, and it's got the most down dark ending of any of the films. I think as well. So yeah, no, I think it's Rise of the Machines is probably the best thing he did in that window. And I will say, I think his performance in Sabotage is fantastic. It's that the movie itself isn't very good. Mm-hmm. And then I don't hate Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah, I didn't hate Terminator Dark Fate either. I just think 
it was it had a lot of wasted potential. And then, uh, but I won't talk about Genesis. That film still infuriates me. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It blows up the entire point of the franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, to but I don't. I only own Dark Fate digitally. Okay, there was a point where I wasn't really buying physical media if I didn't have to. Sure. Wow, that must for have been a little a dark while. Time. Yeah, it was a couple months, and it was uh, it was like Dark Fate came on. It was like seven bucks for the 4K digital. I'm like, oh, I'll just get that. Right. It's Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> and now. You're going to get like the super deluxe 4K version with like uh, Arnie's special recorded personalized intro and you'll buy it. You'll buy yeah, it. It'll have like a, a swatch from the jacket he wore mm-hmm. in the film like they do with, you know, yep. baseball cards and stuff. I don't think I even own Genesis in any capacity. I must have it digitally. I must have Genesis digitally. Wow, that's some completionist stuff right there. I, I only have three. I think, do I own three on Blu-ray? I might not. I have to look. No oh boy, I feel I can sense. You got anything else? I feel like uh, Chris is writing out Uh-oh. a new list right now. Right. I know. All right, so let's actually. Let, I can check my. Uh, I have my little most of my. I have to update it. Most of my collection I have on my Blu-ray.com app. Mm-hmm. So I will check. So what do you got for me? All right, let's do quick. Uh, in honor of the Iron Call, let's do a quick wrestling rundown. You ready? Yeah. All right, Macho Man or Ric Flair? Yeah. By the way, it was DVD that I had terminated through. Okay. Uh I, I, I guess I gotta go Macho Man. And by the way, for the Iron Claw, how do you not hire a guy to be Ric Flair who can't do the woo <laughs> properly? Right. How is that possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow, your teeth look really white. Good for you. Um, <laughs> good lighting in that office, home office of yours. Uh, if where were we? Yeah, Macho. I go Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh yeah, yeah. The cream rises to the top, and he brings out the little creamer thing. That's that sells it <laughs> sells it for me every time. So yes, we're going with Macho Man, and I think we've done this one before, but we're gonna do it again. The Rock or John Cena? You asked me five years ago. It's The Rock. Mm-hmm. You asked me today. It's John Cena. That I think that is the right answer. I think John Cena Peacemaker has really, and his hefty commercials has really sold it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally. The Iron Claw or The Wrestler? Oh, The Wrestler. Yeah, that's a good movie. I haven't seen that in a long time. Me neither. But uh, I, I'd have to say that. That's something I own on DVD as well. You know, so I was going through my old collection. I was getting rid of a bunch of stuff. In fact, I have a stack of old DVDs and stuff here that I'm just going to toss. Yeah. Because I've since like upgraded them over the years. Yeah. Uh, but I was going through, and I have the wrestler still on DVD, and I'm like, do I have to pre this? Like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm never going to watch it again. Why don't you not going to try and sell it to a secondhand place, get some credit, and you can buy it towards something else? The problem is with a bunch of my DVDs years ago, there was a point. This is going to this is going to bore the hell out of people. I, at one point before we moved into this house, we were moving into another house that was much much smaller. Right. And uh, I had to condense a lot of my stuff. So that basically all my old DVDs are in like an old CD wallet binder. Ah, nice. Holds like 500 discs. Yeah. So all it is basically is a disc. Gotcha. And I'm like, I, I trimmed the late, you know, the, the cover and put and slid it in front. Yeah. So I can't, you're not going to, you can't get anything no, for not. just a single disc. No. So, but I did spend time over the weekend and put in my, uh, blu-rays or 4ks into my old special dvd package like my memento mm-hmm. edition that looks like the um file the patient file yeah. i put my blu-ray in that okay. to toss the dvd okay my superman 4k collection i still have that dvd steelbook set okay. not a steelbook like the tin yeah i put all the 4ks into that and i included my man of steel blu-ray and my supergirl blu-ray I put that all in that nice set 
Uh, so that's what I did over the weekend is I condensed or I put stuff into my old DVD sets and then just. You know what? We are wild men. Because I love those old, like the, uh, uh, what do they call them? The um, Vista series okay. yeah, that yeah. were out. You know, it's Unbreakable. I did the same thing with my Unbreakable 4K. All that stuff. So uh, there you go. Matt, all right, let's close it up. Kindergarten Copper Twins for Arnold. What's a better Arnold comedy? Kindergarten Copper Twins. I'm going to have to go Kindergarten Cop. I think it's much better than Twins. I think it's uh, more accessible. It has more classic lines. It's not a Tuma. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think Kindergarten Cop is the correct decision on that as well. I do have Twins digitally. Do you? I got it as a Universal Rewards. Universal Rewards is a great thing, Matt. Uh, every movie you get, you get like a 1,000 points on Universal Rewards, and you can redeem them for digital copies of movies. Okay. So I that's I got twins there for that. And they'll, they'll even include 4K digital copies. So uh, you should check it out if you uh, are. Sony's is crap. Their reward system is horrible. You get like 50 points for a movie, and it costs like 8,000 points to get a digital <laughs> movie or something. It's ridiculous. Somehow that doesn't surprise so, me with Sony. There you go. All right, Matt. I guess that's it. Let's close out the show. Let's uh, call it, folks. What choices would you make? What's your favorite Tom Cruise performance that's not part of a franchise? Hobbs or Shaw? Who's your favorite wrestler? Shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. You a Cena guy or a rock guy? would love to know. Matt, I'm putting you on the spot. This is going to be a lot of fun because I know there's nothing there. Yeah. So what's coming up next week? That is fantastic, Chris. Thank you for doing that to me as I'm sitting here pulling up to see what's even coming out next week. So let's let's take a look. It's not there's so there's ISS is that that uh Ariana Boy film where there there's a war breaks out on Earth and they're on the space station and they gotta seize the space station. Right. Honestly, I'm leaning unless some Oscar bait drops or something, I'm leaning towards Beekeeper for some Statham action. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I mean looking at it, uh what haven't we seen here? Uh there's Mean Girls, uh The Book of Clarence, Beekeeper uh yep night swim so we're definitely american fiction i'd be open to american fiction. yeah i think i would be more open to american fiction than maybe than beekeeper okay all right let's do that then good times all right and we'll we'll settle on a a second film as well in the meantime uh check us out on facebook instagram Twitter and YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. Uh, if you go to thefirstrun.com, you can have archives of all the old shows and report card is mostly updated. I usually give it like a two, three week leave. That way, you, you know, you don't want to just go right to the report card and see. You want to actually get the full, you want the full meat. You want the full Monty. Mm-hmm. You want the 12 inches of the foot long of the subway, <laughs> is what you want. You want the whole show. Show that's that. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, we're going to take an extended break. Take care of yourselves. We love you all very much, and we will see you soon. Yes? Is your daddy a fireman? He's probably big. Is he a wrestler? Is he a basketball coach? No, 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 no. What's the matter? Oh, I have a headache. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all.